Hi, I'm Pawi, and you're listening to Rappler Podcasts. You're listening to Hustles Inside the Industry, where we talk to professionals and find out how they got here, why they're doing what they do, and what it takes to do it. As always, this is Pawi. And this is Tristan. We are part of Rappler's Hustle team. So joining us today, we have two entrepreneurs who we've actually had the pleasure of interviewing in the past. I think it was exactly a year ago. We did a piece on um, the world post-pandemic and they shared their insights and like some innovations when it comes to indoor farming. So to talk about it more in detail, we have Pat Lim and Daria Tangha from Future Fresh. So welcome, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on your uh, podcast. Yeah, excited to be here. You know, it's crazy. We were just looking at our piece and it it is exactly a year from this the date of this recording, if, if you look at it. A slight excerpt from here, which I think is a poignant uh, remark, uh, given that it's 2021 today. Pat, you said something to the effect of, in a post-COVID-19 Philippines, it is unknown how quickly stores will reopen and when people will feel safe to return to social gatherings and eat outside. <laughs> that, I mean, that was a long time ago. And, right. and wow. <laughs> Oracle, Pat the Oracle. But um, could one of you quickly explain uh, what is Future Fresh to just the average listener? So we are like the pioneer in leading indoor farm here in, in the Philippines. Uh, we started uh, almost three years ago now with the goal of providing the highest quality produce consistently uh, year round. So we have built our own technology and, and innovation. And we are currently running one farm uh, in Quezon City that produces up to 1.5 tons a month of produce. And then we are currently building our second farm as well, um, which will be tripling our capacity. So the main goal here is we want to provide people with the best quality product that's grown locally. So why import when you can grow local? Um, and the goal here is to really de-risk the food supply chain and, and produce good quality produce. Especially right now with the lockdowns, I know it, it's become a problem for the DA to like source our produce was like a lot of barriers especially in the early days of lockdown like um the produce you get from provinces see they couldn't they couldn't ship it into manila so i think our interview last year it was addressing an issue that was really plaguing manila at the time so just to take things back a bit like how did you guys get into indoor farming Can you- yeah so it all it all started um i mean i'm not i'm not filipino I, I, I have, I did my high school here. My father's a diplomat and then uh, decided to be an entrepreneur and moved back and co-founded Future Fresh with three other co-founders here. Uh, and yeah, we, well, we decided to, to start it because of frustration amongst ourselves and also with friends we had in the restaurant industry uh, and we just saw an opportunity. So one of the most recurring answers we got when people when we asked like chefs and restaurateurs and even ourselves about like you know good quality ingredients for cooking was that it's very hard to find it's never at a good consistency in terms of like a high quality year round it's very seasonal the price jumps around thousands of percents and for a restaurateur it was very hard to make sure that they're able to buy what they want 
uh, you know, consistently. And on arrival, the freshness of the produce was questionable, as well as how long it really lasted for them. Um, and in the Philippines, there, there is definitely an issue when it comes to, you know, food distribution and receiving it as an end customer. Uh, I mean, generally, restaurants and others, like, you're getting 50% wastage on, on, on arrival. There's so much quality control and sorting you need to do with your produce. So we wanted to eliminate that. Um, and I mean, the real reason with choosing indoor vertical farming was because you can do a lot more, uh, call it with less. So the main focus with, with us as an indoor farm is like improving on food production, and food distribution. So on the production side, it's obviously that we're able to produce uh, like a hundred times more than a traditional farm per square meter. Um, and on the distribution end, we go direct from the farm to the customer same day. So we'll harvest in the morning and that same morning and afternoon, the produce will, will reach the end customers. So it leads to an insanely long shelf life. Customers are shocked that their produce lasts weeks, not days. Uh, so we're really excited with, with what we've accomplished. And indoor farming is, is, I mean, it shows just from our demand, I think, and also um, just how we are at a lucky point to be able to scale that you know, we saw the opportunity and, and after diving into it a, a little bit further, you start to see uh, some of the problems, I guess, in, in the agricultural industry um, or food production industry here in the in the Philippines. Um, we're the country that is probably most hit by typhoons. So every time a typhoon comes, it wipes out a ton of uh, uh, farms uh, because of the lack of infrastructure and, and not just at the growing side, but also at the uh, transportation end of things. Uh, a lot of the, the farm roads, which are just uh, kind of dirt trails or, or gravel kind of roads going into the farms get wiped out. And even though their their produce is ready to be harvested, um, after a typhoon hits, sometimes they, they can't even ship it out. So so there's, there's systemic problems there. I mean, it's definitely a, a food security problem as well. You know, we 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 import so much uh, fresh produce from um, Australia, from from the U.S. Um, that we also believe that that we can uh, you know grow and and produce a lot of the the fresh vegetables here uh, locally. Um, you know, we, we we're supposed to be um, uh, an agrarian economy. Um, and if uh, we're starting to import from other economies, it's just not a good sign. Um, so we think that uh, by implementing or, or improving some of the techno technology or, or developing a new platform at which farmers can can grow fresh produce uh, is, is very important to, to the Philippines. I can definitely get a clear picture here of the kind of entrepreneurial uh, problem solving that went into this. And it seems like you had a good amount of insight into the situation. I next want to ask you, number one, for each of you, what was your, what were your individual backgrounds prior to this that perhaps equipped you um, in the sense to go into this venture? And number two, I mean, how did you even know that this was going to be a, a viable business, uh, if at all, given that uh, you are so, this is so new to the market. I, I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to have a lot of passion and also do something crazy that no one else has done. Uh, so the funny thing, for I think for both of us, for me especially, my, my background is not in agriculture. So, um, uh, you know, I graduated with a business finance and economics degree. My career started in fashion, moved to 
finance um, and then like strategic but, uh, boutique consulting. Um, so I was really working on cross-border transactions, fundraising for, for private equity clients. And the desire just came to be an entrepreneur. The desire came to want to move back to Southeast Asia. Um, I mean, I just saw an opportunity to to not only only do good, but improve on, on stagnant industries here, bringing in uh, technology and, and innovating. So, yeah, I mean, it really came down to why agriculture and, and learning about it on the spot and building the right team led to it. Um, but it's just really about the ambition here. Uh, so, yeah, we have a great founding team, great uh, number of employees as well that, that kind of share this motivation to, to get it done. I mean, on my side, um, I, I probably have no background in agriculture, but um, in, in terms of formal uh, education and work experience, um, you know, I, I, I'm actually an electrical engineer by, by training and, and worked a lot in, in software. Um, so, you know, when, when we started to look into uh, indoor vertical farming, we realized that, you know, there's a lot of data, there's a lot of electronics, there's a lot of technology that we can actually innovate on, um, especially on, on the indoor vertical farming uh, growing platform. Uh, that that you know, I guess my my engineering background could could actually uh, contribute to it and and hopefully innovate uh, more in this in this sector. In a way, it's like a convergence of your past experiences. You're putting it into farming right now to innovate. So, example like um, there you talked about cross border logistics. Um, earlier you talked you talked about um engineering. So it's it's really putting the urban in urban farming. So earlier we talked about how in the age of COVID, um, urban farming, indoor farming, it's become more discussed. There's a, there's a lot of conversations about it since, given the problem, we need to find solutions. And one solution it's that you really have to reduce the the travel time. You have to reduce the the barriers. So I just wanna ask like how has farming indoor farming been faring? Like, is there a higher demand? Yeah, you know, um, food security, definitely. Um, you know, especially during these times of ECQ, uh, where moving around Metro Manila is, is quite a bit more difficult. So we've actually uh, built out our own kind of uh, logistics system uh, where we have uh, riders delivered directly to, to houses um, or close to our farms, and, and one of the reasons why we're building a second farm is is to actually one build more capacity, but two also put us closer to a different area of, of the city. You know, and I don't think that this is going to change uh, too much, even post um, uh, pandemic. I think it'll it'll take a little bit of time uh, before people start uh, heading out of their homes and and, and not wanting things uh, delivered directly to them, but. I think even post pandemic, people are still, people have realized how much easier it is to, to get things delivered directly to you that that we think that um, this this kind of sector or what we've been uh, working on will will continue to, to grow and, and advance. So for us, you know, it was, it was kind of also rethinking the entire value chain or supply chain, I guess, for fresh vegetables, you know, in, in, in your typical farm to, to household, uh, chain uh, the the fresh produce changes hands maybe 13 15 times from from farmer to someone who's going to bring it to the market to someone who's going to bring it into the city then into another market and then 
into a processing center and then into a distribution center and then finally into the supermarkets and then it's handled by the supermarket attendants and then eventually picked up by a customer and then and then sent sent to you know you, you take it home from the supermarket you know and when we think about uh food safety and 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 uh you know the covid uh being uh you know less people touching your food is probably a better thing right so on top of building out that logistics system we we had to implement very strict processes and controls all throughout the supply chain where uh you know we control every single part of it from the harvesting all the way to the delivery to to people's homes and throughout that whole chain we we make sure that our staff is is constantly uh tested if there's any kind of first if anyone has any kind of symptoms um we we quarantine them right away thankfully we haven't uh, had any any outbreaks or anything like that because of these strict protocols and and measurements that we take um but at least this way you know rather than the produce changing hands three four times maybe there's two sets of hands that that handle your produce maybe three at most where it's the harvester the who is also packing the produce a lot of times and then the delivery person right so it's it's really direct to the to the consumer this has been so educational so far for me like for instance food safety and food security one perhaps uh being applicable to you know like sanitization and and the other more of kind of like uh economical i i did want to expand from there you know talking about how obviously in ideally you know we wish the best of luck for future fresh and for you to grow as a business but now i want to talk about the the wider industry right that that hopefully that you are um heralding and kind of like the the chance for these practices to grow uh more commonplace in the philippines so what are some of your insights on indoor farming in general in the Philippines? Are we seeing more outfits pop up in the space? Maybe even in, on a more like uh, prosumer level, uh, do you feel that more businesses might even want to integrate indoor farming somehow into their, like, for example, like maybe a restaurant would want to start growing its own uh, specific spice and, and whatnot? Yeah, Um Again, going back to the, the pandemic, I think it's definitely led to more of an interest to to understanding uh, produce. And there has definitely been also leaps regarding interest in farming. Uh, I mean, in the Philippines, the I think the average age of farmers is around is around 60. So that obviously is is a, is one statement into like what, what needs to grow and innovate so that it's more accessible to people. But you have a lot of a lot of ones who are because they want to know where their food comes from. They want to try themselves. There are people growing and buying hydroponic indoor indoor kits for the home as well, which is great and educational. Um, from what we've seen talking with, with, with chefs and others, they're a huge proponent to knowing like what's good product and not. But they mostly want to work on creating recipes and otherwise not have um, a system inside of their kitchen producing their own green. They they'd really want to work directly with a farm who can kind of custom and give them what they want. And, and that's something that, that we've provided. There's definitely a, a huge growing interest. I think it's great that there's more people wanting to get into it and buy kits and, and grow. Um, we're, we're obviously doing it at, at a scale that can meet all the demand because um, not everybody wants to, wants to take a stab at growing it themselves as well. And it's tough, but, but we definitely want to educate and raise awareness to 
you know, at the very at the very basic level, uh, it's it's not overly complex to grow, uh, you know, lettuce or or fresh produce in in your house, you know. But as as we get more and more advanced, it becomes very complicated very very quickly. Um, so some of the things that we do, for example, is rather than um, uh, just just growing the food as as fast as we can, we actually work with with chefs. Um, because, you know, when they talk about agriculture 1.0, 2.0, um, and we think that 3.0 is, is probably where we're at today. Um, 1.0 was just, um, you know, back where you would just grow um, outdoors without any kind of mechanization. Uh, agriculture 2.0 was, was, you know, large farms mechanizing track with tractors and, and drones and, and other kind of farm equipment. And, and we like to see this as kind of agri 3.0 where we actually have a chance to control the weather. Um, where we control the temperature that the plants grow in, we, we control the light that we, we give the plants, we control the humidity, we control the nutrients. So now it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's a different uh, ball game in terms of how we, we look at agriculture. So one of the things that, that we learned was that, you know, we can actually modify taste in, in various uh, produce. So um, at one point we were working with uh, chefs to, uh, modify how we grow our arugula, for example, um, trying different light recipes and, and temperature recipes and whatnot. And and some chefs liked, um, you know, this arugula versus this arugula. And and it was very small uh, uh, changes in taste that maybe I wouldn't be able to to notice unless someone pointed it out to me. But luckily, these chefs, you know, they they were tasting it and they were saying, you know, I like I like. You know version a or ver version b um and the one that they came out with was because it had some, a slight nutty flavor to it versus versus some of our our other uh trials so you know it's not just about you know trying to get the highest yield but get the highest quality and get the flavor right that that people um are 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 after the chefs are after you know like um you want you want basil that was grown in 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 italy you know so it tastes like basil from italy you you you, we we actually can modify our our environment um, or growing environment to to match that. That was insane. I had I didn't even think about that, but now my imagination is going crazy. So does that mean we can grow like Filipino avocados? I mean, I think that it would be possible. It'd be very very expensive um, at this time, but uh, moving forward, you know, as as technology improves or or that. You know, we we develop new growing techniques um, that we can we can utilize indoors using this kind of platform. I think it it, it might be a long while from now, but theoretically, yes, it is possible. <laughs> so since we've talked about theories and like looking forward, um, I want to do a bit of like um, landscape forecasting. I want to ask about integrating rural farming in this current grand vision of um, indoor indoor agriculture. So how do you see this? Um, will rural and indoor be part of one great supply chain or will indoor basically supersede rural farming in the future of agriculture? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, this is kind of, I think, I think two, ma two major parts. Of course, we, we focus on, on different varietals that are not generally local native, native plants. Um, and, and we're on the doing indoor farming, it's to increase Essentially, food capacity to meet to meet needs going forward. So, we're not here to really take anyone's place in in the agri field. 
um, but meeting a already like existing unmet demand for, for the type of products that we're growing, which generally have to be imported and, and can't, how do I say, work in, in, in the climate that the Philippines gives. Uh, so there's definitely a, a collaboration or a need to have still traditional farms. Um, I think indoor urban farms definitely has, has, its, has its place, uh, especially when you're looking in terms of expanding the supply of produce and expanding the product varietals. You know, the other big factor when you're looking at traditional farms is, is the use of land. So with indoor farms, we're using uh, 1% of the land needed to, to grow at a much higher rate than a traditional farm would. So arable land is already, it just doesn't exist actually, right? They're saying the size of the Amazon rainforest is, is basically needed for, for agriculture needs by 2050. And that just doesn't exist. So indoor farming, what it does is it's creating efficient and creating farmland where there isn't. Uh, so, so that's really where, where the divide is and reducing the need to import. What we like to say is we're, we're part of the solution. We're not the solution. Um, we may eventually be a large part of the solution. We don't know yet. Um, but I think that uh, if anything, we're, we're, we're definitely uh, in the conversation. Um, I think that there's a lot of areas that, you know, it, it may make more sense to grow in, in traditional farms um, out, outdoors. But in certain areas, it also might make more sense to grow in an indoor vertical farm. So, you know, this, this industry is, is relatively new compared to to the rest of uh, the agricultural industry. Um, I think we've been around for, well, the industry has only been around for maybe 10, 20 years. So uh, we're, we're not exactly sure where, where this is gonna take us just, just yet, but I think that ooh, indoor vertical farming does solve a number of the problems. It doesn't solve all the problems. It's a big enough problem for, for multiple people to, to come and, and help solve. Um, I think it's more about, uh, having a collaborative approach to to solving food security and rather than just leaving it to you know one or two uh, players um, but it's it's definitely a, a problem we're gonna we're gonna see that's that's growing will continue to grow um, and we need even more solutions uh, to to solve we spoke a lot about the technical stuff the craft and and agriculture and farming um, and now I'd like to delve into the venture part and the fact that you're a startup. So what are you seeing now uh, in the landscape of the local startup scene uh, along this bigger picture again towards, I guess, more socially responsible ventures? How is it looking on your end? Um, um, what kind of movements do you see popping up here in the Philippines that might actually uh, supplement your vision and maybe even work hand in hand with you? Uh, um, in your processes you know in terms of the startup ecosystem it, we're still super small um i don't know the exact numbers but um i'd bet that we're maybe at at, at the most one tenth or even even one one hundredth of, of what singapore or indonesia probably does with their with their startups um i do like seeing the community here because it does seem a little bit more tight-knit because it is small um, so you see a lot of inner interaction amongst a lot of the the startups and and you know by again banding banding together and, and spreading the word out there hopefully uh, you know they'll they'll make a little bit more noise um, I think there's a no, there's a number of things that need to happen um, you know more more funding uh, uh, more entrepreneurs I think I think that um, 
I think that we're probably still lacking in terms of capable and, and um, um, you know, entrepreneurs who, who have enough guidance and, and mentorship to, to develop more businesses and more startup companies um, in the Philippines. You know, we, there's so many problems in the, in the Philippines. I think we all know that, right? So, so with that, there must be a ton of different opportunities for people to, to build businesses around. And I think that um, more people just need to do it and, and probably more, more funding, more uh, mentorship probably will, will, will help with that. So Daria, um, Pat, obviously, like what you've been doing with Future Fresh, it's very admirable. So, um, my question is, like, what's next? What's um, what's in the plans for Future Fresh? In the short term, it's is really about scaling up. Um, so we're hoping to build a, a number of of additional farms across Metro Manila, um, possibly uh, enter other markets like Cebu and and, and Davao, uh, tertiary cities. Um, and continue um, a path of R&D, um, you know, working with, with the F&B sector, working with, with chefs, working with supermarkets, um, uh, working with um, educational institutions, UP Los Baños, um, you know, some of the other universities. Cut out, um, represent. That's Tristan's school. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think, I think there's, a, there's a lot in our, in our pipeline. Um, but in the in the short term, it's really about growing um, and building more farms. In the medium term, it's it's probably about a lot of uh, research and development, um, build, building up um, our capabilities, adding more products, stuff like that. And in the long term, um, you know, we we would like to see ourselves in in, in other countries, maybe around around the world, uh, replicate that what we've done here. We're not. We, we probably won't fit in every city, but, you know, I think that there are a number of cities in, in the world, another number of countries in the, in the world that we could definitely uh, contribute to, to their agricultural industry as well. I mean, with Future Fresh, we have a great technology that's really localized to, to Southeast Asia. So Philippines is, is, is really just a start of, of where we want to be, but it's a great place to, to build the story and continue to meet you know the needs uh, of the people and keep introducing crops that were not accessible before so i think as pat said we're starting with the dark salad greens moving towards fruiting crops and moving to be even much more beyond that uh and i think there is definitely also the end goal of how can we how can we give back or how can we actually create for the industry so at the same point you know this technology is ours. We're going to keep improving it, but also at a certain point, it's going to potentially be something that's accessible to others here to use, other farmers to use too. Now that's actually very inspiring to hear, especially, you know, um, I'm sure for our listeners here in the Philippines, kind of like this grand movement from like an import economy to an export economy. It's like, okay, now your turn to, to buy from us. On that note, any last bits of advice uh, for those interested in agriculture or even just entrepreneurship in general, advice. <laughs> um, you know, we're 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 constantly learning. Um, I don't know if we're really the ones, or I'm the one to to give a lot of advice on it. But you know, if I was uh, to give some, I'd say, um, do your research um, in whatever industry you want to jump into, um, and you you're never gonna be uh, perfect, I guess. Um, so at one point you just have to start, 
you know, you, 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 a lot of times you're not really going to know what you're getting into until you get into it. Of course, uh, doing your research kind of safeguards you against that, but you can only uh, do so much research. Um, in terms of agriculture, agriculture is tough, um, especially, uh, you know, traditional ag agriculture when, when, you know, you're talking about uh, pest infants infestations at your farm or or you know typhoons that are coming or or humidity levels you know it's 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 tough um so you definitely got to have a lot of grit uh to get into into agriculture there's probably a reason why we don't have as many young farmers um it's not a <laughs> it's not it's not an easy easy job or it's not an easy industry to get into but i think it's a very fulfilling one and i think it's a it's one that we definitely need while the problems right now may not be that large come 10 or 20 years from now these problems are going to be much larger in terms of food security and and arable land and 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 how we're just generally going to feed uh, our population so um, I think that, you know, the earlier you can jump in and, and start learning about it and, and reading about it and even just starting small, uh, you know, a small pocket farm in your in your garden just to understand what it's like. There's also different areas, you know, in, in agriculture. It's a huge industry. Uh, find something that, that is, a, is a maybe very small uh, problem to solve. Keep it simple um, and, and get, a, get a good starting point. Uh, if I was to give one to to entrepreneurs, it's you know you start with a great idea and do all you can to to make that idea a reality. Exhaust what you have at your disposable at your disposal to see if it works. Uh, and I, I think one of the difficulties, of course, being an entrepreneur, especially for solo founders, is you know find people you can confide with. Uh, because it's not an easy road, <laughs> uh, especially here when it comes to, to, to funding and, and, and scaling. So find people you can fight with, other founders, mentors are very important, even reach out internationally. That's, that's something that I would definitely uh, recommend. Best of luck to you guys, Future Fresh. We're not going to let you go just yet. We're going to wrap things up now with our play of the week. So we talked a lot about work. Now let's talk about play. Any fun activities or recommendations for our listeners to unwind from the busyness of business? Yeah, I mean, let's, let's go to unwind. But uh, there, there was a movie I recently watched that was pretty, pretty gripping. Um, and I would recommend it when you're looking at sustainability and farming and, and understanding where your food comes. So I would definitely recommend anyone to watch Seaspiracy uh, to kind of open, open your eyes and kind of get a grip to like, it's important to know where your food comes from and to understand it. Um, so yeah, I would, that was a, that was a good watch. I watched part of that Daria. It's kind of, it kind of jumps off also where the Cove left off, right? The Oscar winning the Cove from a few years ago. That's right. That's right. It's focused on fishing, uh, but I think the greater message on sustainability and around farming is, is a good one. Um, I, I try to get out um, of my my condo, um, try, but of course not like be with other people. So I try to do things that, that are, or sports at least that I can uh, kind of be away from people. Um, so golf, um, I, I played that for a little while, but the, the golf course has just got so busy <laughs> and, you know, the amount of people going to the golf course just got crazy. So, um, kind of stopped that for a little while. Um, and 
and uh, I started getting into uh, cycling. So um, it's actually quite nice now that that people are not allowed outside uh, because the roads are pretty empty. So if you go out around around six a.m. Um, it's uh, it's it's quite nice to to get get some exercise around. Um, so that's that's kind of for me. It's, it's it's just getting some exercise really, uh, rather than being cooped up at home. That's kind of how I I like to spend my uh, free time. <laughs> so Daria mentioned seaspiracy. I said um, I've been talking to my friends. I was saying it's a totally missed opportunity when it comes to coming up with a good title. It should have been conspiracy, right? I mean, oh, you could have totally. You <laughs> that's could have totally, a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, work with that. So, anyway, um, for my play of the week, I've been playing Cyberpunk, twenty seventy seven, but it's still broken. So I can't really recommend it unless you you're in it for the story. But the story's good, but the gameplay's whack for like the PS four. I've also been watching Invincible. On Amazon Prime. So if you're if you're aware of that, it's um people think it's a satirical take on the genre, but I think it's more it's more hopeful. It's like it's you see it's coming from a place of a person in love with the with the genre. So they're form uh, for, foremost he wants to write a good superhero story, a very Spider-Man for the modern era, and then he just grounds it in the real world. So it's not really satirical, but more grounded. So yeah, I recommend Invincible on Amazon Prime. Nice, I love Invincible uh, for for all you uh, superhero uh, story consumers. Um, I'm gonna do a double uh, recommendation with mine because, well, you'll see why. Um, so, people who've listened to this podcast might have heard that I I read two books at a time because I have one in my ear via audiobook and one in my hand. Well, in this case, I have an ebook, so one on my screen. So it just, this is pure coincidence, okay? I didn't do this on purpose, but I'm reading two books with the same title. I'm reading Foundation by Joseph G. Schloss, which is more of an anthropological book on the origins of hip hop and uh, b boying, like b boys and b girls. I talk about that a lot. And I'm also reading a sci fi novel Foundation by uh, Asimov. Yes, Seminole. Yes, Asim- uh yes, Seminole Isaac Asimov. So it's it's classic. It's wonderful. Um, admittedly, it's my first uh, Isaac Asimov uh, piece, but I'm just so hooked on it right now. It's kind of tickling the same spots that really got me into three body problem, because the the premise right now is kind of, uh, in a nutshell, it's imagine like a group of scientists trying to solve a problem that's thousands of years in the making so what's interesting is in between chapters like almost like entire lifetimes passed and that's also what the three body problem does so yeah foundation by joseph g schloss for the hip-hop heads and foundation by isaac asimov for the sci-fi heads there you go that's it guys um oh before we let you go any last plugs yes thanks uh, follow us at GoFutureFresh uh, on social media. And then please check out our website, uh, futurefresh.ph, uh, to order. And uh, can reach out to us at hello at futurefresh.ph for email. Thank you so much, Paul. Nice. Thanks so much, Pat, Daria. Best of luck. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Daria. Thanks, Paulo. Thanks, Tristan. And thank you out there for listening. If you haven't already, please stay tuned to Hustle Inside the Industry on all podcast platforms, including Spotify, 
and Apple, where you can leave us a rating. That really helps us. But most of all, don't forget to hit that follow button. Malino sa amin kung anong dalawang terorista eh. You say that the DOJ has a very clear concept of what a terrorist is, but it was also the DOJ who filed the prescription case. Well, I would like to think that that, would, that is a real, ano, that's a real lesson. Is there a risk though that we will never know the state of his health ever again? We can end up that way, in the same way that uh, the Supreme Court has rendered several constitutional provisions in it. How hopeful are you that this Supreme Court, under this administration, will exhibit a proactive attitude towards protecting human rights? What is before us is a Supreme Court that has overwhelmingly, for a few exceptions, one or two, in favor or on the side of the state power. A law that is not understood is a law that is easy to weaponize. I am Lian Buan, Rappler's Justice Reporter. Listen to Law of the Turtle Land podcast. And together with leading lawyers of the country, let's unpack the pressing legal issues and the Duterte government.